0: Good morning, my name is Luke, I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and I stand before you a humbled man. Three weeks ago I made a claim during the sermon, which was a true claim, that John Norris had never beaten me in cornhole. And in the presence of witnesses, so I couldn't hide it, at our kids volunteer lunch two weeks ago, John beat me in cornhole. John, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've only beaten me once. (laughs) Cornhole's a lawn game that Americans play, in case you're wondering. Uh, We're going to be in John 10, uh, what Sonny just read. If you don't have your Bible open right now, I'd encourage you to have it open. Uh, Let me pray and ask God for help. Lord, we thank you for your word we thank you that you are the good shepherd all who came before you were thieves and robbers but Jesus you are the true shepherd of the sheep and so we ask that you would shepherd us this morning we need you this morning to come by your spirit to give our hearts life as we hear your word would you do that we pray in Jesus name Amen. This world is filled with competing voices that vie, that seek to get our attention. We can sit in our homes, lock our doors, be completely sheltered from the outside world, and these voices come at us nevertheless. They come through our phones, they come through our TVs, they come through family pressures, they... Tell us to follow them. They offer us life if we would follow them. They present to us a picture of what you should live for, what you should do, what is the good life. These voices compete for our attention. Especially today, social media giants will say that the product is us. They are trying to get our attention and our glance. With all of that competition, how are we supposed to determine which voices we should go after? Which voices we should truly follow? When you're learning a musical instrument, my kids are learning guitar, when you're learning a musical instrument, one of the principles is you always want to tune your instrument before you play. Because if you don't tune your guitar to the right note, the right pitch, then what's going to happen is you're going to get used to listening to off-key music. Music that's out of tone. And what that will mean is you'll no longer be able to determine what the right pitch should be. And if you've ever walked in the room and have had someone playing guitar, hopefully not on the music team, but if you ever walked in the room and heard someone playing guitar, and it is out of key, then you realize how glaring it can sound. But the person playing may not recognize because they've numbed themselves. They haven't tuned their ears to be able to recognize If we're going to follow the right voices, then we need to tune our ears to recognize the right voice to follow. The voice that leads to life and not follow the voice that leads to death. We need to recognize the true shepherd of the sheep. Jesus in John 10 says that he is the true shepherd of the sheep because he lays down his life for the sheep. And to show that he's the true shepherd, he compares himself and contrasts himself with two other people, two other groups of people. So we're going to work through this passage this morning. We're just going to look at these three groups of people, or these three people. We're going to look at the thief. We're going to look at the hired hand. And there we're going to look at the shepherd who's also a door. The thief, the hired hand, and The shepherd. So the first person or group of people that we're going to see is the thief. This is the main contrast that Jesus is making. The hired hand only gets a few verses. The main contrast is between the thief and the shepherd. Listen to verse 1, what Sonny just read for us a few moments ago. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, That man is a thief and a robber. So you have a picture. You have this pen in which these sheep are being kept. There is a door in which you're supposed to go through. The person that goes over the fence probably has wrong purposes in mind. Why aren't they going through the door? Jesus says, if they go over by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So. Jesus is showing this contrast in the way that the thief comes in, the way the thief speaks to the sheep, the way the sheep respond to the thief versus how they respond to the shepherd. Last week, Jesus pointed out the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. Right? So if you just look up, if you have your Bible open from chapter 10, verse 1, to going up just a few verses, Jesus said to the Pharisees, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And John showed us last week four ways in which people can be spiritually blind. Jesus immediately goes from a metaphor of blindness and sight to a very common, familiar agricultural metaphor of a shepherd and the sheep. Jesus has just healed a man, born blind from birth, and the Pharisees can't see the work of God there. And as we keep reading this chapter, we realize they can't hear the voice of God either through God's shepherd. All right, we're going to get there at the end of chapter 10 in a bit after Advent I believe is when we'll actually get there Jesus switches up the imagery to be able to show the people of God what sort of people they should be looking out for and what sort of people they should be listening to this is a common illustration in the Old Testament we read Ezekiel 34 you could go on throughout the Old Testament Israel is commonly portrayed as a flock as a fold of sheep And Israel's leaders are shepherds. We see David is a shepherd, Jacob is a shepherd, Moses is a shepherd, God himself is the shepherd. Jesus uses an old familiar imagery to communicate a new reality or a fresh truth to the people and in doing so he's making a contrast between thieves and the shepherd. According to Jesus, you can tell that someone is a thief by the way he gets to the sheep and what the sheep do with his voice. The thief comes into the sheepfold through the wrong way. His appointed means of getting to the sheep is wrong. It's not how you ought to get there. You should go through the door, but he goes over the gate or over the fence because he wants to steal the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. He wants to devour the sheep. He does, thieves don't come in through the front door. They come in over the gate, and the sheep recognize the thief. They know the voice of the shepherd. They don't follow the voice of a stranger. Regardless of how persuasively the thief may call, come here, sheep, come here, sheep, they know the voice of the shepherd, and they will not come to the thief. Like a dog that wags its tail at the voice of the master but growls and barks when a stranger comes up to the door. The thieves aren't recognized by the sheep. They can tell the difference. What's the point of all this? Well, Jesus tells us in verse eight. Look at verse eight. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Who's Jesus talking about? He is talking about all who came before him. Now, As careful Bible readers, we should stop and we should step back and we should say, wait a second. When Jesus says all, what does he mean? Is he talking about David? Is he talking about Moses? No, Jesus is not saying all as in every individual leader of Israel was a thief and a robber. Why? Well, we read earlier, Israel was supposed to look out for David to come again. David is described as a shepherd who faithfully shepherded the sheep. Israel in Deuteronomy 18 is called to look out for a prophet like Moses who would come up again. So David and Moses aren't the thieves and robbers. The thieves and robbers are the Pharisees. They're messianic pretenders that was happening during this time. There were a lot of people who would say come on, Israel, let's cast off the Roman rulers of us. Let's fight for our freedom. Let's usher in the kingdom of God, whether by the sword, like the zealots, or whether by righteousness under the law, like the Pharisees. And Jesus says, these people don't have your best interest at heart. They are thieves and robbers. The sort of leadership that Israel has are people who are using the sheep for their own political gain. Jesus is warning the people that are around him to look out for people like this. The Pharisees look like shepherds. They look like leaders of the people. But the Pharisees are seeking to destroy the people for their own selfish gain. We jumped into Ezekiel 34 In the middle of the chapter, if you go back to the beginning of Ezekiel 34, Yahweh brings a charge against Israel's shepherds. This is what God says in verse 2 of Ezekiel 34. "Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled over them. Israel has false shepherds in their history. If you look at the Pharisees, the Pharisees are currently false shepherds. They literally just cast out a man who was born blind and miraculously healed because he wouldn't deny that Jesus healed him. He didn't say he was a follower of Jesus even at that time. They just wanted him to say, wasn't Jesus who healed me. The Pharisees don't care about people, they care about power and they're willing to devour and kill and steal in order to maintain power for themselves. Watch out for people like this. Regardless of what their express motives might be, what their intentions might say, look at how people treat other people. Look at how leaders lead other people. The Pharisees wanted good things for the people of Israel. They wanted Israel to be free from Roman rule. It's not a bad thing. They wanted people to obey God's law, at least as they understood it. It's not a bad thing. We should want people to obey God's law. The Pharisees wanted good things. But they didn't want it for good reasons. And they didn't use the right means to get it. They were glorifying themselves. They were devouring other people. Chewing up and spitting other people out in order to get the good things that they were after. And how often does this happen today? How often does this happen in churches who put the wrong person as a pastor because he can make the church big successful, influential. He can give us an audience. We can get lots of people in the door. And yet, in order to do so, he chews and spits out people, devouring as he goes. How many leaders of ministries run over people as they're seeking gospel ends but not using gospel means in order to get there? They're working through people and they're saying, it's all for the kingdom of God. It's all for the lost being reached. And they're willing to devour and break and spit up people in order to get what they're after. The ends never justify the means for Jesus. The way in which the shepherd shepherds the sheep is what qualifies him to be the good shepherd. It's not just the end that he accomplishes. It's the way in which he gets there. Jesus cares about how someone gets to the sheep, and he cares about how people treat the sheep. And so he warns people who are following the Pharisees to watch out. And this is a warning to us. Because if we look at this, Jesus says the sheep recognize the voice of the thief. But we should take a step back, and we should say... Israel had a lot of people following the Pharisees That means you can look like a sheep and not actually be able to recognize the voice of a shepherd Not actually be able to be counted as one of the flock of God in Ezekiel 34 there were many people who were benefiting off of the kings that were there and yet They couldn't recognize the voice of the true shepherd. And this warns us we can look like sheep and not be able to identify the voice of the shepherd. When church leaders are exposed as being domineering, as being bullying in their leadership, that's on church leadership. And they will have to give an account for how they lead. But often the reason why church leaders are able to lead that way is because that's what people want to happen. People are willing to reward that style of leadership because it gets what people want. We want to be part of the in crowd. We want to be part of the accepted group of people who are recognized as being on the inner circle. We want to be able to say, I'm a follower of this person. I attend this person's church. I love this person's books. I go to this person's conferences. I listen to this person's podcasts. We celebrate that style of leadership that is rewarding leadership that doesn't reflect the leadership of the good shepherd. And that's on us. If we can't recognize the voice of the shepherd Then we are at fault, according to Jesus, because true sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. There are no victims of false teachers who are innocent. According to the Bible, the reason people submit to false teachers and follow false teachers is because we want to have our ears tickled. They tell us what we like we are failing to test what they say and how they live against the scriptures. This is one of the reasons why we say, we have a membership class coming up this afternoon. One of the reasons why we say in every single membership class is that the church is responsible for the church. The elders of the church are leading the church, but you appoint us. You can remove us. And if we start leading in a way that's not like Jesus, if we teach in a way that's not like the good shepherd, then you should remove us. Because you are responsible for the church. The sheep need to be able to identify the voice of the shepherd. Jesus is exposing thieves and robbers so that his people will be warned against them. The majority of this passage is spent on that contrast. The thief and the shepherd. But at the very end, Jesus inserts a word about a second group of people. The hired hands. Listen to verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep Jesus is emphasizing the lack of commitment of these leaders. I don't think we're supposed to look and supposed to say, some people are thieves, some people are hired hands. I think he's trying to expose false leaders and is showing the way in which they're seen as false. Hired hands aren't committed to the flock. For them, it's just a job. They don't care about the sheep. When danger or discomfort comes and threatens them, they're out because they are concerned about themselves kids in the room imagine you're playing at your friend's house and you're playing with your friend's toy and you lose the toy your mom comes or your dad comes and says alright, it's time to go you get up say goodbye to your friend and you walk out the door doesn't even bother you that you lost the toy, why not? well because that's not your toy now imagine that you brought your special toy over to your friend's house and you lose the toy and your mom and dad come and say alright kids it's time to go what are you going to say no not yet I got to find it where's bunny where's my special toy how do I gather this right you're going to chase after it why because the toy belongs to you you didn't care about losing your friend's toy It's not your toy. But when it's your toy, you care about it. Hired hands don't care about their friends' toys. They don't care about God's sheep. They are merely there as a job. There are pastors who shepherding is just a job for them. It's just a way of earning a living. These pastors are more committed to their own comfort than to the health of the flock this may show itself in a lot of different ways when a better paying church comes by and offers a higher salary the pastor says well of course i'd leave i mean do you see what they're offering for payment i'm going to leave this church i'm going to go from this small church to this medium-sized church to this big church to this mega church because the salaries grow with it right Or, when a more glamorous opportunity comes by, you get the chance for recognition, you're out. And you leave the flock that's been entrusted to you just for the sake of getting a more influential, glamorous position. That shows that you're not committed to the flock. Or, when things get uncomfortable in the church, the pastors just ignore it. Because it's really awkward to have conversations with people sometimes. And it, it just is a lot easier for me to just check in and check out, to be on the clock and off the clock. I don't need to have that hard conversation with that person. These pastors won't ever confront sin in other people, they won't ever preach on controversial topics because it threatens their own comfort. They're not committed to the health of the church. They're committed to their own comfort. And at the end of the day, the church dies under their care because the wolves devour the sheep. Notice what links the hired hand with the thief in this passage. Do you see it? What do the thief and the hired hand have in common? Selfishness. Selfishness. The thief is caring about his own belly, so he steals in order to kill and devour. The hired hand is caring about his own health, so when danger comes, he runs away. Either way, what's the focus? Me. The focus is on self rather than on the flock. And Jesus says, watch out. Watch out for hired hands. The hired hand and the thief are meant to serve as a negative contrast for the positive, the shepherd. And the shepherd is also a door, as we'll see. That's the focus of this passage. Unlike the selfish leaders, the shepherd genuinely cares for the sheep. He leads the sheep for the good of the sheep. Ultimately, this passage is not about what sort of pastors you should put in as leaders of your church. What sort of leaders you should look for for your ministry or for your workplace. This passage is ultimately about Jesus. About Jesus as the leader of the church. The leader who exemplifies what all other leadership ought to look like. The one who sets the pattern... For all other forms of leadership. Look at verse 7. Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you. He's been talking about thieves and shepherds. Now he's going to make it personal. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In the midst of the people of Israel having false shepherds who devour the sheep, they were supposed to look out for the true shepherd who would come and who would faithfully, under God, shepherd the flock. We read earlier Ezekiel 34 that condemns the false shepherds. We read earlier in our service how that ends. I'm going to read it again. God says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. When Jesus says that he's the good shepherd, this is what he's talking about. He's saying that I am the Davidic king. I am the son of David that you should be looking out for. I am the one who stands in contrast with the false leaders of Israel and who faithfully shepherds the sheep. And he's different from those leaders in two ways. He's different from those leaders in the life that he provides for his sheep, and he's different than those leaders in the way in which he provides that life. In verse 7, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. The shepherd is also a door. What does he mean by this? If you look, he means that as a door, he is the way to life. If you go out that door, you are going through the door to something else. The door is the way in which you get there. Can't go out through the wall. You got to go out through the door. Jesus is the way to life for the sheep. If the sheep try and go out of the fold another way, if they say, I'm going to jump the fence... They say, I'm going to dig under the fence. That doesn't lead to life. It leads to death and destruction for the sheep. The only way in which sheep live is by going through Jesus. There's not many different ways to life. According to Jesus, there's only one way to life. Virtually every person I've ever shared the gospel with in the UAE has told me that we basically believe the same thing that all religions and all human beings basically believe the same thing and try to do the same. Christianity is no different than Islam. It's no different than Judaism. It's no different than Buddhism. We all believe the same thing. Love people. Try your best. You'll get to heaven if you're a good enough person. Kalas. Done. Jesus says that's not the case. Unless you go through Jesus as the door... You will not experience life. There is no other way except through Jesus. The claims of Christianity are radically exclusive. And in our world, which celebrates everybody believing what they want to believe and us all getting to heaven at the end, the claims to Christianity are radically controversial. Jesus says, every other religion is wrong. False. Does that sound arrogant to you? Does it sound arrogant to have a pastor come up and say, I have the truth that no other religion holds? That's not boasting in the pastor. That's boasting in the scriptures. It's boasting in Christ as the shepherd. Jesus is the only way to life. There is no middle ground. All other religions are false voices that lead to death and to destruction. And there's no middle ground because of the way in which Jesus provides life. Listen to verse 11 I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No other religion has what Christianity has. At the heart of Christianity is a glorious exchange. Jesus dies for the sheep. Rather than devouring the sheep and consuming the sheep, Jesus lays down his life, providing life for the sheep by his own death. You and I deserve to die. The Bible uses another way to describe us as sheep, and that is as wandering sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. But God doesn't leave us there. Jesus comes and seeks out the lost. This is what Isaiah the prophet says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. We have rebelled against God. We deserve to die in order to pay for our sin. And Jesus comes and is crushed for our sin. God takes our sin, our iniquity, and puts it on Jesus so that we can find life. He does not use Jesus. He does not use the sheep for his own selfish gain. He dies for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. For wandering sheep who deserve to die so that they can experience life abundantly. This is why Jesus is the Good Shepherd. This is why Jesus is the only way to life. No other religion provides the means in which we live. It only comes through the death of Christ on behalf of our sins. Jesus' mercy overflows to those who don't deserve it. His grace is abundant, he says. The life he offers is not just life it's life abundant some of you are in this room and you've been hurt by pastors or church leaders who have not led like Jesus or you know someone who is struggling with what they believe because they've been affected and hurt by people who have not lived and led like Jesus because of these leaders or these pastors you can be tempted To deconstruct, to get rid of your belief system, and to throw Jesus away with these leaders. This is you or this is someone close to you. I'd urge you listen to the voice of Jesus. The Bible is filled with failed leadership. Failed leadership is the norm, (laughs) it's not the exception. The Bible is filled with failed leadership because all people are sinners. Some of these failed leaders are faithful followers of God who were fighting against their sin. Men like David, men like the Apostle Peter. They had failures, but they were faithful. Their lives didn't always reflect what it should look like, but they were trying to follow Jesus. Others are Pharisees and hypocrites and powerful people who use the sheep for their own selfish gain. If you are tempted to give up on Christianity and to give up on Jesus because of these failures, then I would just encourage you to listen to the voice of Jesus. His is the true voice that leads to life. Don't give up on Jesus. Hear the voice of the shepherd and see what it ought to look like. See the perfection that he has, the way in which he loves, the way in which he leads. And don't give up on Jesus. Other people may let you down, but they are not meant to be Jesus for you. Jesus alone can bear your burdens. Jesus alone can pay for your sins. Jesus alone can lead you to life eternal. Don't give up on Jesus. Some of you, though, need to be able to distinguish between the voice of Jesus and the voice that is inside of you, the voice of your own sinful desires, you assume that everything that you want is what Jesus wants for you. I want a new job. Jesus wants a new job for me. Right? I want a new wife. Jesus wants a new wife for me. I want to be healthy and rich and prosperous. That's what Jesus wants for me too. You're not able to distinguish between the true voice of Jesus and what he calls us to. And you're just listening to your own sinful desires. Don't follow your heart. Follow the shepherd. Follow the shepherd of the sheep. Do you know what Jesus actually sounds like? Do you know the sort of things that he commands you? Jesus would never want you to suffer. No, Jesus calls you to take up your cross and follow him. Jesus says that unless you suffer with him, you will not be glorified with him. Jesus would never want anything hard to come my life. He'd want me to be happy, right? He does want you to be happy. But the way to happiness comes through obedience to him, not through your sinful desires. Are you able to tune your ears to recognize the voice of the shepherd? This is one of the reasons why we say this every single week almost. I think the application point to virtually every sermon should be read your Bible. Right? Be in the scriptures for yourself. Why? So that you can tune your ears to hear what God is saying to you through his word. Can you tell the difference between the voice of Jesus and the voice of culture? The voice of Jesus and the voice of platitudes that don't offer life. God helps those who help themselves. No. <laughs> That's the anti-gospel God helps those who can't help themselves. Do you know that? Are you able to listen to the voice of the shepherd? Because only through Jesus that you'll experience life abundant. The abundant life that Jesus provides is not pain-free. It is not a life of material prosperity or a life freed from suffering and sickness. The man was born blind in chapter 9, was healed, yes. But then he was cast out of his community. He was abandoned by his parents. He was called a wicked and evil sinner. He was slandered. That's the life that Jesus offers. How is that worth it? It's because of the fellowship that comes with the shepherd. The man experienced the abundant life that Jesus provides in fellowship, in relationship, in following Jesus as his shepherd, of being found in Jesus, not having a life outside of Jesus, but having a life inside of Jesus. Jesus says in John 17, 3, these are amazing words. He says, what is eternal life? This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing Jesus is not merely a way to get to eternal life. Knowing Jesus is eternal life. Because the relationship is the reward. The fellowship is the gift. The communion is the prize. And this gift is available to all who would believe in Jesus. When you go through the door of Jesus, the place that he leads you to is his own presence. Turn to the end of the Bible. That's what heaven is portrayed at. It's portrayed as God being with his people because in God's presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church, hear the voice of the shepherd. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will seek out the wandering. He will bind up the injured. He will rule with justice. He will strengthen the weak. He will lay his life down for the sheep. He already has. If he already did that, then you can trust him that he has your best interests in mind. So when he says, come and follow me, you can follow him through pain and suffering. You can follow him through hardship knowing that through Jesus is life itself. Let's follow him where he leads and experience the joy of being one of his sheep. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. You lay down your life for us who do not deserve it so that we can experience everlasting joy in your presence. Help us, Lord. Help us to be tuned to your ears to be able to hear your voice. Lord, may we not pick up and listen to the false notes of culture, of our own sinful desire of Satan. Rather, God, may we listen to the voice of the shepherd and find life that he offers. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.